Dionisio at the plate. He's over two today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. Welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater. My name is Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. Well, normally Jeremy and I like to start each episode by uh, recapping the uh, current baseball news, but there hasn't been any. Yeah, no, there hasn't really. It's a dead stove, cold stove. So uh, what we're doing is we're coming with, uh, to you with a very special mini-sode this week. Uh, we just watched, like literally just finished it five minutes ago, uh, the movie, the 1996 Robert De Niro vehicle, The Fan. The Fan. We, we, we talked about this in an earlier episode that we were going to do this for uh, a mini-sode in the off-season, and uh, here we are. So, mm-hmm. And a great way to start off the year, right? First episode of 2019, we're talking about uh, this... Uh, very interesting cinema uh, venture into the world of baseball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jeremy and I, right when we turned the movie on, uh, neither of us had really done... I had seen the movie probably 15 years ago. Sure. Uh, but I hadn't seen it since then, hadn't really thought about it since then. Uh, and neither of us knew that this movie was directed by Tony Scott. Yeah, no, I saw a scot-free production. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, it's either Ridley or Tony. And I thought yeah. maybe they just produced it. But for no, sure. no, Tony Scott directed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. This movie is too low rent for Ridley to have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I suppose so. So this was done, it was made in 96. So it was uh, an interesting time uh, in De Niro's career. It would have been, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if memory serves, it would have, 96 was uh, right after Heat and right before Casino. Yeah. Uh, so he was still making good movies yeah, up yeah. to that point, although I feel like this was sort of the, the beginning of, of the end for him as I, like a, yeah, a serious movie actor. Yeah, that's quite possible. Mm-hmm. When, did, when did Meet the Parents come out? Uh, okay, so yeah, Meet the Parents was 2000. So okay. he, But that was, like, that, that was like a new phase for him, and it's well, sort of the, uh, the Billy Crystal one, too. Was. Oh, right, yeah. By no means am I saying that those were still great movies, but... Um, but I was just like thinking, like, was this? This was only four years before Meet the Parents yeah. came out. That's yeah, crazy yeah. to think about, because mm-hmm. those do, definitely do th- seem like two distinct eras in uh, De Niro's career, like Heat and Meet the Parents. But that was only five years apart. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, but, and so this too, uh, I could imagine. Uh, how this got off the ground, how De Niro got involved in it, and maybe why people might have been excited to see it was because it sort of explores that classic De Niro character of the loner who, like, yeah. gradually <laughs> uh, uh, loses it and sure. ends up committing a murderous act or trying to. Yeah, I guess it maybe even go, I'm trying to, I'd have to, like, look at the list, but it almost goes, like, further than any De Niro. <laughs> like, like Taxi Driver. I mean, I don't know. No, Taxi Driver's pretty bad. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It's interesting. I guess, like... Yeah, I guess he's unhappy. I mean, he's he's living in San Francisco. Like he can afford. Well, maybe you know we'll talk about where he lives. But uh, seemingly he was able to afford rent in San Francisco. I would imagine even in 1996 it was pretty pricey to live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and also the movie co-stars uh, Wesley Snipes. Uh, Wesley who, Snipes. Yeah, who is uh, uh, has been in his share of sports movies. Yeah, I was gonna say making his uh, triumphant return to baseball films. Uh, uh, once where he was uh, Willie Mays Hayes, he's now um, Bobby Rayburn. You know, it never occurred to me, Jeremy, but uh, I think Major League Two was maybe 1995 or 94, but I, okay. I almost wonder if uh, the reason he didn't come back for that, A, because maybe he had gotten a little too big, but B, because he was thinking of making The Fan and he didn't want to <laughs> do two baseball movies in he, two years. Yeah, I know. He was, He just wanted to be, um, you know, he wanted to be the star, just like, uh, you know, and he didn't want to be on a, share the team, the roster with, uh, you know, 
Right. Derringer and uh, Ricky Vaughn and whatnot. Yeah, the best thing you can do is make a sacrifice for the team. Uh, that's something <laughs> that De Niro says uh, later in the movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, so a couple other things that surprised us. Uh, we found out that the score was by Hans Zimmer. That's right, yeah, Hans Zimmer. Before anybody knew who he was. Yeah, probably, yeah, it was probably early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't help but wonder, I mean... I, I kind of feel like his score is lost in this movie yeah, a, yeah. a lot. Um, he probably didn't have the, the cred to stand up to, to a Tony Scott, but uh, mm-hmm. there's there's one scene where there's like significant like score played, and then the rest the rest of it is just like <clears throat> like macho like chase like thriller like it's like I don't that's not really what Hans Zimmer does like he 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 usually puts a more the uh, cinematic spin on, on that sort of like tension building music, I would say. Mm-hmm. We're gonna get nerdy here, I, and I'm also gonna try to. I, I'm trying to think of like should should we just like separate like logical thinking <laughs> from this movie? Yeah, I, I don't know if we should necessarily, but I, I think we can do it with a wink because it is a movie, and we normally talk about real baseball, but uh, there, there it's it's funny just to see. Uh, a movie uh, baseball portrayed in this type of movie and through like the lens of Tony Scott. Yeah, and if, uh, and one of the reasons Jeremy and I chose this movie is because we because I so I had never seen the movie Mr. Baseball starring Tom Selleck and that was that was a uh, a movie I had bandied about. But uh, Jeremy yeah. Jeremy suggested the fan since we had talked about it, but also yeah. we decided that it would be much better for this podcast yeah. uh, to do this movie because even though uh, Jeremy uh, mentioned, you know, logic kind of needs to be thrown out the window for this movie, this <laughs> yeah. is a movie that was meant to be taken seriously clearly yeah. from the tone of it yeah for sure for sure um yeah speaking of tone right right early on it's like the the opening credits like the, it just has that like creepy music and mm-hmm. it's like all right we're gonna make baseball scary <laughs> this yep. is gonna be good yeah like you know um uh the the first time you see de niro in the movie basically the movie's first scene after the opening credits are of him uh calling into a, a sports uh talk radio show yeah yeah true uh you know sports talk radio is something that's very uh near and dear uh to my heart mm-hmm. uh I, you know I, li- I listen to a lot of it or i used to anyway i don't listen to the radio that much anymore but i like it yeah me um, too me too yeah i think that sports Sports talk radio, the ultimate like sports talk radio movie is uh, Big Fan. Yeah, for sure. Starring Patton Oswalt. Yeah, it actually, you know, when I saw Big Fan, I was like, wow, I can't believe, like, not only is this about sports, but it's about sports talk radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost, it, this seeing the, seeing the, like, knowing that this movie incorporates that element as well, it almost takes away a little bit of, like, the, what I thought was the uniqueness of the fan, mm-hmm. or of Big Fan. Um, interesting that it's called The Fan and Big Fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but but yeah, but it's still. I mean, I I do think that big fan still nails it better. But uh, you know, they they did do this obsessive sports talk radio uh, character, and um, I just I was like, I can't believe that they're actually shedding a light on this like sub subculture. Yeah, like we we talk about these like sub subcultures and like. Sports talk radio is certainly like one of these like crazy ones like when it comes to sports. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Jeremy, <laughs> I, I will say uh, that the movie did do a good job at first with the uh, just kind of that first scene. The movie, the movie kind of had me at first. I would say okay. for for at least the first half hour, forty five minutes until it <laughs> kind of starts to go off the rails. Yeah, but uh, it, just in the opening scene, it's uh, even the way it's filmed where it keeps cutting from. De Niro to Ellen Barkin in the studio yeah. to then uh, to then Wesley Snipes. It's filmed in kind of a snappy way where you're there's, like, oh, this is all right. There's a lot of cross cutting in it, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And like, I mean, I, I, you know, I 
I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. It's a way to tell a story. Like they're co- they're they're incorporating De Niro in his car, this this the radio studio, and then eventually uh, Snipes in his car. You know, it's 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 like questionable. I would question the the need for it to be as like flashy and fast paced as it is. I think at the end of the day, it's a scene of people talking on the radio, which like, okay, we gotta we gotta spice this up a little right. bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like whereas uh, um, uh, Damien Chazelle and like Whiplash made hep- like managed to make like playing jazz music exciting. Like so, <laughs> I guess I get I get I can give him credit for like the attempt of like, all right, this this is a scene about pe- people talking on on the radio. Let's let's kind of spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I can give him credit for that. Um, it, you know, it was interesting to see Alan Barkin in this movie. It was, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's a reunion, uh, of, uh, Alan Barkin and Robert De Niro from the movie, This Boy's Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was 92 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't, Alan Barkin didn't have any better of a ride in this movie, uh, from De Niro than she did. It was a little less, uh, bad than in This Boy's Life, but, Still not getting great treatment from De Niro. In this I don't one. think I've ever seen this boy's life. Well, it's uh, yeah, uh, uh, De Niro plays like the abusive stepdad. Okay. And, uh, there's a particular scene with uh, De Niro and Ellen Barkin where he says, "I don't like to see the face." Uh, and uh, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, go and watch it, and you'll 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 earmark that scene uh-huh. uh, afterwards. But right. It's, uh, it's not, not, it's not great for Alan Barkin. No. Um, you know, the, the movie, um, uh, s- sort of dates itself right away. Um, just here in the year 2019 when, uh, a $40 million contract is, uh, uh considered a, a big deal. Like yeah. the, he's Bo- Bobby Rayburn. Uh, Wesley Snipes, character has just signed a $40 million deal to play with the giants, which yeah. is the, like the biggest deal in the league. Right. Exactly. And like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. We're on the precipice of, you know, Bryce, Harper potentially signing a four hundred million dollar contract, mm, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm trying to think of like what Schmo just signed for like forty million. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. Does like <clears throat> I feel like like a pitcher, like a you know uh, a middle, like a number three pitcher is probably getting forty million dollars. Yeah, like somebody like Lance Lynn, or yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so De Niro's character, um, you know, when he finally gets to where he's going in his car after he makes the radio call, you find out that he's going to work. So he's a uh, he's an, a, a knife salesman. He sells he sells knives. Yeah. Uh, and um, the the first scene where you see him at his job, it, it's like this uh, just this like horribly done version of like uh alec baldwin's glengarry glenn ross yeah. monologue with yeah. a guy who like kind of looks like ed harris but isn't mm-hmm. ed harris yeah yeah uh, there, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that just seemed like kind of like the like cut rate knockoff versions of like better scenes and other in better movies yes basically yeah certainly that's one of them it's like it's shot in this like uh really contrasty way where like the sun is glaring in and like so each character's faces like are in half shadow and it's like you know, supposed to be dim and, and like dingy and like kind of like rough circumstances and like he didn't you know you feel De Niro's like the pressure of of all this the 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 uh, the 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 guy the boss whatever like randomly pulls out a knife and start, he he slams a card he has a car door yeah that he slams on the table and then he starts stabbing it to show like that the knives are good and he whatever. shows he says that the car is American made but yeah. like the I think he says that but the knives are like a foreign product or something yeah and or maybe the reverse of that or something maybe like, it the, is the, the, the door is still foreign or something like well, 
again, where did he get the? Yeah, where did he get the door? Yeah, why is he posturing like this to his salespeople and like like he could do that like as a stunt maybe, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So, but again, not to not to you know dig too deep in this. Another thing that I noticed was um, uh, before we get away from the radio uh, thing really quickly, I guess or you know we maybe we could have done this in the end, but like uh, it's always fun to watch movies from like the '90s or whatever to see. Um, you know, stars of today mm-hmm. in those movies. One of the interesting things was that the radio producer was played by Jack Black. Yeah, yeah, he was, and he, he was only in that one scene. Yeah, he has a total he? of one line. Yeah, a total of lines. one line. Yeah, so this was '96, so this is maybe like the year before Mars Attacks, which he also has a small role in. He was also yeah. in Waterworld. So it was the year after Cable Guy, though, and he had kind of a bigger role in Cable. Did he Guy. have a bigger role? Okay, I think Cable Guy was '95. Yeah, yeah, it was. Probably. It would be interesting to know when this movie was filmed. Yeah, um, true. Uh, Sure. But yeah, he uh, he he does have a role in that, and uh, he is in Waterworld a little bit yeah. too. So he was in some movies in the mid '90s, but it was it was de- definitely interesting and a surprise to see him pop up there. I also recognized uh, Ellen Barkin's co-host, but I couldn't oh, yeah. I couldn't place Kurt, him. Kurt Fuller, is Kurt his Fuller. Name. Okay, he's in. Um, uh, well, is he in one of the RoboCops? He might be. He's um, he's in Wayne's World. He's he's okay. the uh, he's he's the like co-producer with uh, Rob Lowe. Okay. And uh, he's like, he's like, you don't say two or one. He's that guy. Okay. Um, um, he's also in, he, I feel like he's also in The Sopranos because the guy okay. who serves Robert De Niro later on in the movie with a restraining oh, order yes. is uh, Beansy that's from right. The Sopranos. Okay, that's yep. where he came in. Yep, okay, that's, that's where in, he's from. I I, um, I made a note of that in my notes. He's but also yeah. in Entourage, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. There, were a lot of, there were a lot of small actors in this movie. Uh, yeah. uh, Benicio Del Toro is also in it. We'll get to him a little bit later, yeah. but he plays... Is uh, Primo. Um, so yeah. this was was this must have been one of his first mainstream. Well, he was in uh, yeah. no no he was in uh, uh, what what is it the Brian Singer movie? Um, oh, Usual Suspects. Yeah, was so, already out by this point. Yeah, yeah. So what Usual Suspects was what ninety four ninety five something like that. Oh God, I guess it was that late. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was ninety five. He got pretty he got pretty good billing in this movie too. He got like third or fourth billing. Okay. So he he yeah. must have been you know okay. And so also John Leguizamo plays Wesley Snipes's uh, agent. Yeah. And you know uh, my buddy Chris is gonna hate me for saying this, <laughs> but uh, I I was kind of like John Leguizamo. I don't really have a problem with him. He is a very polarizing actor. Your friend doesn't like Leguizamo? No, my my friend hates John Leguizamo. Let, let's talk about Leguizamo for a second. Okay. Because okay when. The, when was the first time you know, knew of him? Like, uh, I think it was the movie Spawn. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Because I remember when he had the show House of Buggin okay. on Fox, like his comedy show, when he was still like a comedian only. And like, I remember he did all these like flamboyant like Latino characters or whatever, yeah. or like these like outrageous Latino characters. And like, I mean, you know, it was a different time. I, I didn't get it. Like, I'm like, what what's going on here? Like, yeah. I don't I don't relate to this at all, which is totally fine. Like, it's, I'm glad that he was representing, like, a certain, like, uh, culture of people and everything. But I didn't get it. And I was, like, probably, like, 10, 11 years old. And I'm like, what? I, I don't like this. It's, it's supposed to be funny, but I don't find it funny. Yeah. And, like, I hated him, too. And I was like, this isn't funny. Like, I don't find this funny. I don't get it. Um, and then as, like, the years went along and he started doing, like, more, like straight acting or whatever i was like oh wow this guy's actually really good yeah i i I like him a lot now nice but um uh there was a summer of sam is that what it's called yeah summer of sam he's in that he's in that um i liked him in chef 
like the, the, the John Favreau movie. Oh, is he in that? Yeah, he's okay. like his assistant or whatever. Okay. Um, he he also had a funny turn in that Tina Fey one with Amy yeah, Poehler. Yeah, sisters. I think. Yeah, that's called. I actually think he's funny in that he too. Is, like, yeah, the movie is is so it's, so. Yes, but, it is. Yeah, but I think he's he's definitely like the best actor in it. Mm-hmm. He's he's shown good acting skills. I actually like him. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are on the same page. Yeah, uh, for sure. About that. Uh, real, real quick, before we leave the uh, the one more thing I want to say about the 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 uh, the um, mm. radio yeah. scene is. Like, what was the DJ... What were the DJ's MO, like, in that scene? Because, like... Because I think this kind of sets things up later on. Like, there's... there's They get... They somehow... they You know, they can just call... Get, good, get Bobby Rayburn on the phone, Yeah, they right? can just call his cell phone yeah. or, like, his car phone or whatever. And then they, like, make a crack about him, about, like, his wife or something. They make some kind of crack about him. Or, like... Or, like, or, he was getting divorced. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, when's the last time you saw your kid or something like that? And I don't, I don't remember what... They, they, they made some crack... And it's like, but then later, Alan Barkin is trying to get an exclusive interview with him or something. Yeah. And it's like, what? Why? What do you think is gonna happen? Like, what? Yeah. What? What did you think was gonna happen? You can't insult this guy and then try to get like an interview with right. him. Like, I, so what was their mo in the, in that scene to begin with? And like, what is their mo anyway? Like, usually, if like a, a radio station can get like a, a, a star to come on, they kiss his ass. Yeah. And I like mean, they, doesn't the score get Lance Briggs on sometimes? Yeah, yeah. They have like you know, um, they I, they've gone through different years. Like sometimes I think maybe last year Joe Madden was like a weekly guest yeah. and stuff. And like I remember they asked him like a, about the Addison Russell thing, and they kind of pushed him a little bit. Yeah. on it, But they don't like ambush him. Right. Like right. nowadays, if that happened, the guys would just hang up, and then like the team would like pull their credential or something. Yeah. You know. So yeah. like I don't know what the <laughs> deal. I don't know what the deal is. Like, what were they trying to do? Like, all right, we got you, Bobby Ray. We're now we're gonna mess with you. Like mm-hmm. it's like. That's counter. That seems counterproductive. Yep. Anyway, yep. all right. So uh, the one thing I was kind of surprised about, Jeremy, um, was that the MLB gave them the rights to this movie. I almost think we should. I don't know if we should save this for the end because this uh-huh. is part of my thesis statement. Yeah. But I, we can talk about it now. Sure. Well, let's. I don't know. Let me get. Let me okay. get back to it when we talk okay. about the end scene because because okay. I, I was thinking about it for the end scene, but I agree. Yeah. Um. And as we go on and see what the movie. Not only like at the end, actually throughout the movie, just like the some of the content of it, it's not like this is no angels in the outfield. This is no little big league. It's not even major league. Yeah, exactly. And so like, yeah, I wonder like, I wonder about that. And this I is wonder more treading the lines of like any given Sunday, but not really because because that movie like showed football players doing drugs and yeah. having sex with prostitutes and right. and whatnot. But and they didn't have and they did not get the license. No, they didn't. No, um, but uh, I know. I wonder about that. And I actually, if we could have, if you know, this serves the purpose of like recording when it's fresh. But if I could have done more research, I wouldn't be surprised if I found like an article that said like after this movie, MLB became more selective with like how they gave their rights out. Yeah, or, yeah. Because um, cause they don't, I mean, they don't do it for every movie. No, and it seems mostly like a kid's movie or like a family-friendly movie that mm-hmm. they don't do it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. But that's, I was thinking the same thing, Jack, yeah. like, and more so at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I'll get back into my thoughts with, with it later. Well, that was pretty much it, really. It's just like, of all the stuff that happens in this movie, which we will talk about, um, I'm surprised that they did it. And like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed that. I'll say this though: the uniforms uh, look good in the yeah. movie. Um, yeah. For, for the uh, the they look good. The the shots of the crowd uh, look pretty good. But Wesley Snipes, he looks he looks good in the uniform, and he, yeah. he can carry it like an athlete. He knows how yeah. to he knows how to carry it. Well, so let's talk about that really quick because like, um, listen, it's no like shock that like he bears a of a, a very striking image to Barry Bonds. 
especially Barry Bonds of the of the era of 1996. Which what year did he sign with the Giants? Uh, so it was he was uh, he was on them at least on 19 in 1994. Okay. Um, I believe it. So he may have signed with them in like 93. Or okay. 92. Okay. So yeah, he had been on them for a little while. That, that makes point. sense because yeah. Um, okay. So and then like. He's got, like, the big earring and everything, and it's, like, yeah. it seemed, like, blatant. I was almost going to say, like, you know, you talk about, you hear about, like, players, like, suing entities for using their likeness or whatever. Yeah. Like, Michael Jordan sued Jewel, uh, the local uh, uh, grocery store chain, for, like, selling, like, Michael Jordan steaks. Or, or like, they made a, I don't know, there's some something where they used him in an ad. Uh, weekly ad and like he didn't give permission so he sued them well yeah and michael jordan never used to give his name to like nba video games and yeah stuff. so it would be like oh you'd have all the guys with their real names and yeah. then just this like dude who was obviously michael jordan but yeah. they couldn't use his name yeah exactly so th- there's been these situations in in the past where like yeah players and and, and, and and funnily enough barry bonds is another guy like that he would never yeah. give his name to video games and me and my dad who play stratomatic he would never give his name to stratomatic oh, so his yeah. his name was always blank even though his card was there yeah. so it's and weird that they would do that with him i was trying to think about like you know and not to get too deep into it but i know that there's like baseball there's like the mlb licensing and yes. then there's player licensing mm-hmm. so like and I think it's cheaper to get the player licensing. Yeah. And uh, then I guess there's some guys who negotiate to not be included in that. Like mm-hmm. Bonds and Jeter was like that maybe for a little bit. And Alex Rodriguez, I think, was maybe like that Damian for a little Miller bit. Damian Miller was like that. No shit. <laughs> Damian Miller's his name was not on a Strato card. Uh, so, yeah. But um, so so clear. So like and, and the players never look good. Everyone, you know, whenever that happens, people are like, what a greedy asshole. Like, he doesn't want to be included. In this situation, like, I'm surprised that Barry Bonds didn't sue the movie. Yeah. Especially because of the earring thing. Because that made yeah. me think of Bonds as well. Not, and not only that... But I guess I guess Rayburn was a was a righty, so maybe that mm-hmm. was their out clause. Yeah, like oh well, Barry Bonds is lefty. But um, uh, they even make a Barry Bonds reference. They do, and so when when they made that, so uh, Wesley Snipes like compares himself to Barry Bonds, or he asks Robert De Niro's character, "Do I remind you of Barry Bonds?" Or yeah. something. That's, that's, uh, that's De Niro. The, he's like, "Do you know who I am?" And De, De Niro goes. Are you Barry Bonds? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what it is. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I just said to Jeremy, that's too much. Yeah. Um, and and be, because, okay, so that, that's one of those things where it just it takes you out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. In, in this movie, we have not been, uh, like, no real baseball hell, players, aside from Babe Ruth, have been referenced. Yeah, John Crook isn't even John Crook. He's Lance. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you look at this, if it's like a real movie, he should be John Crook because right. he's John. Yeah, he that's John Crook. By the way, J- John Crook never played on the Giants, did he? No, I think it was just the he was Phillies. He was on the White Sox for a while. Yeah, um, and the Padres. He the, came up yeah. with the Padres. So, yeah. um, uh, I guess, I mean, acting, I guess. He's, yeah. And does John Crook get stabbed at the end? John Crook gets murdered. He gets straight up murdered. <laughs> I think His, like, does. throat gets slit. <laughs> yeah. Which, oh. again, we're jumping, we're jumping yeah, ahead we're jumping a little ahead. bit. But, Poor John Crook. Yeah, but. John Crook is in the movie. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll say that. Uh, so Aaron Neville uh, sings the national anthem yeah, on the, the opening touch, day. The feel, the fabric of our lives. <laughs> That's uh, Aaron Neville, but he's singing the national anthem, and like you can't hear him. Really, no. you can't hear his voice. No, Th- this movie was so loud, and there were so many things going on that it was distracting. 
Um, and uh, I just, again, I blame Tony Scott for this, like, hyper-testosterone-driven, yeah. like, movie-like yeah. style. That's a like, Tony Scott film for you. Yeah, yeah. It's just too much. But mm-hmm. anyway. So they play the Rockies uh, on opening day. Um, so yeah. I will say this, Jeremy. For a minute, the movie had me sold on, like, its uh, use of statistics in baseball. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. They say that Bobby Rayburn's a 310 lifetime hitter, which yeah. is like, oh, that's that's, that's a good, pretty good... That's pretty good, and that's like a... Yeah. And, he, and then he led they, the league in RBIs Three of the last four seasons, or four of the last five seasons. Yep. De Niro mentions he hit three fourteen against lefties. So I was like, okay, yeah, this movie's yeah. got its its uh, yeah. And interesting, the first two pitchers he faces are lefties. Are lefties, yeah, for both of the the Rockies the Ro- and the Braves. And the Braves. The guy on the Rockies' name was Hernandez, I think. Uh, yes, it was. It was Hernandez. He looked yeah. like a bum. He looked horrible. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, most of the pitchers looked like bums that he yeah. faced. Hernandez is a chump. Is the note that I wrote. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So that happened. Uh, I have one more thing. Um, there's a there's a scene early on which becomes like the basis of the movie. I can't believe that the movie is based on uh, the fact that uh, that Bobby that uh, that uh, Bobby Rayburn wanted his number. Like that's yep. what the whole plot of the movie yeah, is based on. Yeah, and actually, on. so I, I should say that this book is uh, this movie is based on a book by Peter Abrams, and I've read the book. Okay, um, and so the that is a huge thing in the book as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, there, there's yeah. a couple things that like they get right about sports, mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of cool, and like that's certainly one of them. That's almost the thing where like it's such a kind of like fringe thing about sports where players like have these crazy like deals that they work out to get their number that it almost ruins it that it's the whole crux of this movie. Yep, but it's still cool. It is. So there's a scene early on when he. When he's in the locker room, like his first day, I don't know, like, again, we're throwing out the fact that he was at spring training. This could have been sorted out during spring training. Um, maybe he was traded, you know, at the end of spring training or something. Right, right. Um, but, um, <clears throat> and, and not only the fact, like, if this was such a big deal to him, you think that this would have been negotiated, yes. you know, at some point early on. Yeah, that he wouldn't have just showed up to the park and not known what his number was going to be, <laughs> yeah, which is exactly. what happens in the movie. Or not known that their star player is coincidentally wearing the number that he wants. Yes. So anyway, they show him in the locker room, and Leguizamo, his agent, is just in the locker room. Yep. He's, like, never apart from the team. He's always there. He's which always like, there. He would be kicked out of the locker room. He would not be allowed in. Yeah, Scott Boris would not be allowed in the locker <laughs> no, room. No, exactly. And so they're trying to get... Um, uh, they're talking about this number thing. And uh, the, they show the locker room. And, like, the locker room looks like a New York City subway. Like, it has <laughs> these, like, low-hanging fluorescent, like... It looks like a like a torture room, like a like a interrogation yeah. room or something, yeah, like something yeah. out of Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, the locker rooms, <laughs> at, like at my high school or the YMCA, are better than this yeah. than this place. It's yeah. like this like low hanging light that would just be like oppressive and like draining to players, and like yeah. it looks and they're all like cramped together. It's mm-hmm. like it looks like a hell like. Uh, situation. Yeah, like, that was their locker room. Uh-huh. Anyway, so that 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 made me laugh. Um, but maybe uh, that's what the locker rooms were like at Candlestick Park. Yeah, maybe, maybe like they talk about how um, the visitors' clubhouse was at Wrigley before the renovations. Maybe right. uh, they they were going for that. I don't know. Right. But. Um. So we 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 eventually get to opening day. Now there's a, there's a hilarious scene before they get to opening day where uh, De Niro is singing the uh, uh, "Start Me Up" by the uh, the Stones. Now, did we? Was that what we talked That's about? That's what we talked. about. That was one of the only scenes I remember. Or was um, that off my? Was that just at a game that we talked about? Oh, we might. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember if we ever talked about that at, uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Or, and so, anyways, he's uh, you know he's driving to opening day with his son, um, who's a little afraid of of him. 
And, uh, you know, the song, uh, Start Me Up, it, it, it's Start Me Up, right? It's not Start It Up. Is it uh, the technical Start title? Me up, Start think. Me Up, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that, that's, that song by the Stones is playing. Uh, and De Niro's singing along to it. Now, Jeremy, there's a weird thing that they do in this movie that's never followed up on. Yeah. Or it's just another uh, uh, aspect of De Niro's character. Uh, he, he like implies that he knows Mick Jagger and was like there during the recording of those songs. <laughs> well, okay, so like I know that he talks about like that he's a big fan. And then at the end, he says to uh, Rayburn's kid that he knew... Yeah. Uh, Mick Jagger, does he say that he knows him earlier? He, he implies, to, to the kid, he, he implies, he's like, yeah, that's, you know, it's, we threw a big potty after we were finished recording it in 78. To his kid? To his kid. Okay, because yeah. I, w- I didn't know, I know that he was talking about him and he was a big fan, but I didn't, I thought that maybe at the end he says he knows him and then that was like uh, a sign that he's just completely off the deep end now. No, but he point. did it in the beginning too. So that's well, some weird thing that was like never established well and so the weird thing is is that like you know i like he talks about de niro talks about how he used to play baseball and everything yeah and you i mean i don't know if you were supposed to question the validity of that but then at the end the reveal is that he was a little league world series hero yeah right and so i just assumed that all of that was like you know he was just making it up so Maybe he really did know <laughs> Jagger, but they don't talk about it. No. Um, there was a part, yeah, where uh, he mentions Jagger to his kid, and his kid says that his friend's dad called him gay or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, and then De Niro's comeback is like, well, his dad's gay. Like, yeah, yeah. So, a, so I think the, so and so Jeremy, this is the first part where the movie kind of starts to go off the rails a little yeah, bit, is yeah. in this scene. Yeah. So the, the exact line, and it's... Uh, it, we'll it, say it, I was going to... Cackled, yeah, yeah. So the exact line is, uh, he says... Well, Jason Pellegrini's dad says Mick Jagger is gay, and then De Niro goes, "Well, Jason Pellegrini's dad takes it up the ass." Just to his kid, he yeah. says he says that yes, to his kid, yes, and the his, shocking, his, uh... that's the shocking uh, thing. And then, like his kid is like, uh, you know, shocked by it. Well, actually, is his kid like shocked? He's kind of he... like uh, catatonic to it. Yeah, or something. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, just another like crazy thing that his dad has said to him. Yeah, and then his dad starts to say a few other crazy things too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I was gonna say like. As a parent having a kid, right? It's like you you try to get them on. You try to get them to like things that you like, right? Yeah. Like in like you know, and if the kid doesn't, then you're like you try to take an interest in what they like. But if um you know you're trying to teach the kid like baseball, hey, you know, like I love baseball. You should like baseball. We can go to games together. So that that's a challenge in and enough in and of itself. And it seems like the kid has a like a casual interest in baseball. He's not. He's not the fan like like De Niro is, but then he's also trying to like get him into the Rolling Stones too. And it's like, Dad, come on, one thing at a time, yep, you know? Yep, it's like, yep. like, okay, he likes baseball, great. Try to subtly work in the Rolling Stones next, right? And and by the way, he's too young for the Rolling Stones. I didn't start liking the Rolling Stones until my twenties. Yeah, like, I didn't think I started liking them until I was like twenty one. They're like an old, older guy, older like lonely guy band. I think. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, like I was always like, uh, oh, I love the Beatles or whatever, and the Rolling Stones suck or something. Mm-hmm. But then it took me like a little more years to like appreciate what they were doing. Yeah, so. Now, He's pushing a little too hard. Jeremy, I wrote a note down here that says, uh, Rain Delay Theater would have loved sitting by Gil. <laughs> yeah, I know. would have loved it. Well, yes. Okay, so I wrote down, um, 
De Niro behaving like some fans we were around in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, we were on the same page. Yeah, for sure. So at that first game, at opening day, um, De Niro's getting animated and standing up a lot and cheering. And, like, some dude, like, asked him to sit down once. And De Niro actually is cool about it. He, like, sits down. And then he asks him again. And then, like, he pushes him. They get an altercation. And then a third guy from behind them. So, like, why don't you both sit down or something? And then everyone cheers for him for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that third guy was M.C. Ganey, who plays uh, Swamp Thing in the movie Con Air. There you go. Uh, Yeah, yeah. He plays, like, the the pilot. Uh, Yeah. I feel like I've seen him around in some other. Yeah, stuff he's too. in he's in other he's in a lot of other stuff in in small roles exclusively in small roles. Yeah, but um, there's also this lady that's a, a busybody uh, yeah. who's wearing a Stanford hat, who's like <laughs> looking at De Niro disapprovingly the whole time. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I I should have checked because I was she's referred to as a busybody by De Niro, and I was it was making me think like. Oh, does he actually... Is she credited as Busybody at the game yeah. or something? But yeah, she's an old lady with like white hair and a Stanford hat. Yeah. And like... Yeah. And she's dressed like a grandma. And like the the costume department just threw this friggin' Stanford hat on her. Oh, yeah. Like just to show... Oh, yeah. She's from the Bay Area too, you know? Yep. Uh, she's from Palo... She makes a commute from Palo Alto. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so she's there. Um, uh, friggin' Steve Lyons is there. He's like the announcer. He's the color guy. And I was just watching another movie where he was in it, too. Another baseball movie. I, I want to say, man, I can't remember what it was. It was just on MLB Network, but it's like a, maybe a kid's movie or something. Uh-huh. And it's like, I've already said my my thoughts about Steve Lyons, that fake pull his pants down, like bull crap. Like, luckily, he's out of baseball now. I feel, Well, he might do Dodgers games still, but he's not like... For a while there in the 90s, he was kind of like the... Fa- he was like kind of like the like baseball wild man or something. He was yeah. like kind of like... Almost like what Ryan Dempster is now. He's like, baseball's funny, man. Steve Lyons. Mm -hmm. He's psycho. He pulled his pants. Anyway, I hate Steve Lyons. He was there in the game. Yeah. And I figured about that is probably because he was in L.A. Like, he was probably easily accessible Mm -hmm. for broadcasts. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he's there. Um, One of the things that that stood out to me at the opening day was, um, so there's this theme of knives going on. And uh, De Niro's a knife salesman. Uh... As he's driving to the, the the game, the kid pulls out his knife, yep. right? And, like, he's, like, flicking it. Like, like the knife thing is crazy. Yeah. And no one, like, it's it's not ever really spotlighted how crazy it is. But the, you just have these kids, like, pulling out knives and, like, like holding this knife out. It's just, like, a joke. There's and, like, a, the kid knows how to use the knife. Yeah, so He's yeah. not, like, messing around with it. But they never really follow up on the kid being able to use the knife, which is a cool, kind of, like, a cool thing to establish. Dude, like, oh, this I, kid knows how to use a knife. I wrote, because then later on, when he, um, when De Niro goes and eats uh, pizza with the kid, and the kid pulls out the knife again, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. This is, like, um, what's, who, Nabokov? Who's the film guy where, like, you show the gun? And by the third oh, act. Oh, by the third act, you have to use the gun. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, okay, the knife is going to come, uh, you know, as a crucial thing in the end of the movie. And it it doesn't really. No. I mean, like, it's just known throughout the movie that De Niro has a knife and he'll stab anyone. And he he stabs uh, Primo, he stabs Rayburn, and he slits John Crook's throat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that happens. But, but it's not like he was killed by a knife. Or, like, he, like, has the kid and, like... You know, he's running away at the kid, but the kid pulls the knife out and stabs him in the jugular or something. Right. That's what I thought what the ending would be like. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, also, how did they get those knives in the stadium? I guess there was no security at <laughs> no. all. Like, yeah. No, well, no. And 
clearly Candlestick Park had some lax uh, things because De Niro was able to re-enter to the game. I, I was going to say that. Yeah, so he leaves to like, so it, uh, halfway through the opening day, he leaves to make a sales call. Yeah, he has this goes. big sales call that he has to get back to and like, he just leaves the game. He leaves the kid, like, it's so chaotic because like, um, San Francisco, I don't know what San Francisco, I've been to San Francisco several times. I was not there in 1996. I don't know how much it changed, but like, it has traffic just like any other major city. And it's funny the way that they edited the scene. So he keeps trying to leave and uh, 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 Rayburn is up. And Rayburn hits a grand slam. And, like, De Niro keeps trying to leave. And he's like, all right, I got to go. And, like, he runs out. And they cross, They do some more of the classic cross-cutting. And De Niro is already out of the stadium in his car, driven all the way across town. Because I, I know where Candlestick Park is and where downtown San Francisco is. It's a, it's a pretty far distance. Yeah. And uh, it's a significant distance, at least. He's already at the thing by the time uh, Rayburn is touching home plate. According to the editing, is he? I did yes, not notice that because they show it and Rayburn's like cro- like rounding the bases, yeah. and they cross cut to De Niro in the car driving, and like by the time he's rounding third, De Niro's already in the car downtown, and then he totally crosses home, and then obviously they're they're messing with time, but it's just funny that they tried to milk it like that. Yeah, maybe it was David Ortiz doing the home run trot. Yeah, maybe uh, he yeah. would have been able to make it. Um, actually, slow. in the book too, he pisses his pants while he's driving there to that uh, to that sales call. So it's a lot more dire. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, so but yeah, he, he's able to also make it back uh, for the end of the the end of the game. But like, yeah, you said he he was able to get back in the stadium. Yeah, and I, I remember even as a kid, I remember they uh, seeing signs that said with uh, no pass outs uh, yeah. at Miller Park, which is you know you can't uh, or count. Stadium, uh, and you no can't, ins and outs. Yeah, yeah, no ins and outs. Yeah, you can't leave and come back. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of gaffes. It would this podcast would be two hours if we did all the gaffes. But one that I wanted to mention is when they were standing for the anthem at the opening on opening day. I don't know if you noticed, but like they were not standing like along the base paths. Mm-hmm. Like generally, the movie, the orientation of the movie, like with some of the like where they put the camera to show some shots was just way off. Like there were times where it's like it looks like a guy's throwing from third base to second base to get a guy out or something, like on a ground out or something. Like um <clears throat> but uh for the anthem, like Aaron Neville was like it looked like he was standing behind second base in like shallow center and the players were like like in a row but between like the first to second base and the second base to third base base paths. Mm-hmm. It's like they it was all out of whack. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway, that that one that stood out to me was pretty <laughs> funny. They're just like they're just standing willy nilly on the field. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And then there was another editing uh, error uh, when he's uh, playing the Braves, and you can see the catcher is from oh, the yeah. Rockies. So they were using footage from that opening day uh, game uh, for a game a few weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I, I I definitely feel like some of the De Niro like. Uh, cheering shots were recycled from that one shoot. Mm-hmm. It seems like they knocked all those out in one day. Yep. Um, and they just changed the extras around them. Yep. Uh, but uh, but yeah, one thing I'll say about the film, about the way it was shot, and like I haven't seen a ton of Tony Scott movies, but like these friggin' shots, these like single shots of just like De Niro cheering, or like just uh, uh, I want to call him William Mays Hayes, um, mm. of Rayburn uh, like batting, like and no one else is in the frame. It completely takes the emotion out of these scenes they just look weird it yeah. looks like it just looks like De Niro standing like like in a completely separate 
area cheering at something completely different and then you cut to like a single shot of of uh rayburn and like it, it just emotionally takes you out of it mm-hmm. and it's 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 jarring but mm-hmm. yeah i didn't like that but anyway yeah yeah you know and so so i guess as we move um further along into the uh the the plot here yeah. um i i so de niro comes to realize that uh that Rayburn wants Primo's number. Um, yeah. uh, the number eleven. So he he sees Primo at a at a bar. Okay, before, a, oh, before that, before yes. that. So De Niro loses his job at as loses a salesman. His job. Uh yet he continues to go to every uh, San Francisco Giants game. Now, Jeremy, maybe Giants tickets are as cheap as White Sox tickets or yeah. cheaper, because I'm not sure how he can afford to just keep going to these games and not looking for a job. Right, right. Especially since he made such a big deal about like getting gifted those opening day tickets from work. Yep. Like he's the biggest fan in the world, but he his opening day tickets were solely contingent on him being gifted them through work. Like, mm-hmm. That's a little risky, as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. You should have just got the tickets. But okay, and then he also like has a meltdown and loses custody. Like he like loses his visitation rights of his kid. Right. That happens. Like he uh, attacks the the or he like goes crazy um, at the house. Uh, when he comes back, okay, real, real, real quick, he comes back from opening day and the kid's gone. He comes back to the stadium, the kid's gone. So then he goes to the house and the kid somehow got home and like that old lady is in the house. The old lady took him home. Yeah, yeah the old yeah, lady yeah. took him home and her husband was there too. Yep. Like they were just, they were just old. They were yep. just like old people. It's yeah. Like, like Tony Scott was like, just get me the oldest people you can get. Mm-hmm. And like they're there. And so like, and they're, they like, and the, the lady gives him like that, that nasty look again, but they're in the house. And, like, it, there's no explanation of that. And then De Niro locks himself in the room with the kid. And, like, they eat pizza. They eat his favorite pizza. Um, but – and then, like, there's a scene next where, like, he uh, gets uh, – he, he has a meltdown at the kid's Little League game. And then that was, like, the final straw, I think. The kid's, like, crying. And, like, he's yelling at the coach. Um, this is very early on of, like, of like abusive, like, Little League – parents like yep. yelling at coaches and just overstepping the boundaries i feel like it wasn't a big epidemic no um, no yeah so this, this movie kind of called it yeah 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 pretty much um uh tim right yeah tim 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 yeah, is but, like the chump like uh stepdad, stepdad like, but de niro like, keeps calling him ted yeah, yeah on yeah, purpose yeah. yeah that's like a whole thing and like he's just a chump like he's getting yelled at by the wife to do something yep he's like trying to stop de niro but then he just he like lets he like steps back every time he's like Hey, come on, uh, Gil, don't do that. And he's like, hey, shut up, man, or something. And he's like, all right, all right. And he just steps back. Every single time, he's just like, he's hands off. He might have like, you know, he, he may have, he can't go back to jail or something. He doesn't <laughs> want to uh, get, you know, a, a, a phony battery charge or whatever. Um, but anyway, so so all of this has happened at this point, and... Uh, um, what were we jumping to? The um... well, uh, yeah. So, so uh, uh, it's interesting that you bring up. Uh, I, I, yeah, I was going to mention the little league scene before we moved on. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that kid is like not seen again uh, after that yeah. incident. I don't think you see him again until the end of the movie. Okay. And and I didn't see him because I looked away from the screen for like ten seconds. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that uh, later. Um. So so yeah. So 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 as we get further on, uh, we find out that De Niro. Um. Or De Niro finds out his character finds out that uh, Rayburn wants Primo's number. He finds that yes. out at a strip club. 
Yeah, um, I, yeah, I guess it was a strip yeah, club. Yeah, so, or like just a bar where there would, were strippers at. Because there, there was yeah. like a stripper at that bar. Whatever. So Primo's, Primo's yeah. hanging out there having having a, a beer with his boys. It was a completely dingy, divey yeah. dump. It's not It's not an, a place where uh, athletes would hang out. No, certainly. Not even back then, I don't no, think they would have no, hung out no. there. No, maybe like Mark Grace <clears throat> would have gone there. Yeah, or Kyle Farnsworth or something. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, no, certainly not a $40 million man would be caught dead in this bar. No. No, no. I like that it's funny. I, I and I think it's funny that uh, he he tells the bartender that he's like, I'm gonna go over and talk to a Bobby, and then the guy's like, Don't do that, man. He's yeah. like, These guys don't want to be bothered. They come in here, and like he's just he doesn't want them to be bothered because he doesn't want the players to get pissed and never come back to this place yeah. again. But see, that's the thing. So right before, right after, or right before he said that. He yeah. said, um, yeah, like Rayburn walks in and he's like, yeah, look at that guy, piece of shit or something, you know, like he hates him. Yeah. So like this bartender isn't going to like be like, oh yeah, look at that bum. Like he's going to be like, oh my God, Bobby Rayburn is in my joint. <laughs> yeah. Like he's not going to like talk shit about Bobby Rayburn. But then right, yeah, then he's like, hey man, leave these guys alone. Like right after he says that, the guy does like a complete 180. Yeah, yeah. So real quick to get back to your thing about how he afforded tickets to the games, even though he's been fired. I got to say this, you know. He's a fan, right? He's mm-hmm. the fan. He's a big fan of of, uh, of of Giants baseball. It seemed like taking his kid to the games was a problem. The wife is, uh, you know, nagging him, like, have him home by 6.05 or I'm going to call the police. Yep. The kid is like, he's a kid, but he's not paying as much of attention as, as uh, De Niro wants him to. Um, and the work, the job is like, you know, he's got to do these meetings or these sales things so he can't go to a game. He's been fired from the job. He's lost custody of the kid. I'm not sure why he's so upset. Like, it seems like all of his obstacles for going to games <laughs> have been eliminated. So, like, why is he so... He should be happy. He should be like, ah, oh, this is great. I'm living the life. Like, walking on sunshine is playing, and he's having a great time at the games. Like, yeah, give me one of those hot dogs, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he continues to lose his mind, I guess. <laughs> but my movie would have ended there. He's like, all right, that's all right. I got no work. I got no family. I'm just going to enjoy these games. It's a happy ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, so, so anyway, once De Niro finds this out, he decides to uh, murder Primo in a in a hotel room. Yes. Now, Jeremy, this or in is, a steam room. Yeah, in a steam in a in, yeah, not in a hotel room. Yeah, in a, in a steam room. Hotel, He's having a hotel a, steam room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. So he murders uh, uh, Benicio del Toro, and the, the scene is shot weird too because at first you you think that Bene- like when De Niro leaves the steam room, Benicio del Toro is just like laying down to relax, but uh, like a second later, it's revealed that like him and De Niro actually had a scuffle, and De Niro murdered him. Yeah, exactly. And the way that that was shot, like I guess that was shot to like look like or like to make you think at first that he just leaves, um, but. I was thinking, and maybe it was supposed to serve this double purpose. Like I thought, maybe that was just like his like fantasy right. that he killed him. Mm-hmm. And then they, there's a news report that says like first game back since the tragic murder of Primo, whoever. Yeah, so. yeah, and and let's just say, Jeremy, that yeah. this this is the most fucked up season of baseball for any <laughs> team ever. Like a player gets murdered, but then like a couple of weeks later, like an- another player gets his throat slit <laughs> by like a crazed fan who is the umpire. Uh, at the at the end, so we're the, skipping ahead here. But the umpire like, thing is too much. The, but there's so much like shit that goes down uh, yeah. for this Giants team. I in know this season and the poor Giants. Like I mean, they you know there was the '89 earthquake and mm-hmm. um, you know people are. I'm sure there's still people who are mad that they moved from uh, New York to San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, it's bad. 
but so that's easy. Uh, so anyway, um, Primo uh, Primo gets murdered, and then uh, Rayburn doesn't really get his number back. But everybody wears the eleven patch uh, on their jerseys to honor Primo uh, going forward and in that season. That's where Crook gets his first line. Yeah, his first and only line. He said, yeah. "We all get to wear the number now." Yeah, no, we all get to wear the number. Like he was like mad or something. Yeah, yeah. Which, okay, so the, that whole thing was was weird because like, <clears throat> did the players blame? Him for murdering, like for Primo's death, like kind like, of that's implied. Yeah, it's it's implied, and the fans too. The fans, yeah. like I I realized the fans were like like they were booing him because he was in a slump, but then they started booing him uh, after the murder, and it seems like and there there were fans who brought a, there was a uh, sign a sign that said who murdered Primo Bobby. <laughs> There's no way the team would allow that sign no. to be brought into the again, stadium. Again, really lacks uh, Candlestick Park's security measures. Like, yes. what is this? <laughs> because they check your signs when you walk in. Yeah. Because like they can't have anything like yeah, fucking uh, Anthony Rizzo's in the mafia. He murdered my stepfather. Or something. Right. Right. Like. They see the, the guy would be like, "What's well, the sign say here? Oh, you're implicating, uh, you're accusing uh, Rayburn of murdering Primo. Uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. You know, like that's fine. Oh, it's a big two panel sign. All right, great arts art artman, artmanship. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, may, uh, so so after this happens, um, uh, Rayburn starts hitting. He magically starts hitting. Yeah, and so uh, De Niro then begins to feel spurned because uh, Rayburn didn't like thank him or acknowledge the <sighs> fact that he was hitting because yeah. Primo died. And that's again, that's another one of the huge like buys of the movie where it's like this is all contingent on the fact. A simple thanks would have been nice. Yep. Like, it's all based on that. When he didn't even know, I mean, I guess, okay, I guess he's crazy or something. But it's like, it's such a thin, like, foundation for the rest of this uh, movie to hang upon. Yeah. And I also like how there's no, so so I guess there were like no hotel security cameras. I mean, it's 1996. Like, they would have, they would have had some security cameras because De Niro wasn't wearing a costume. So they probably would have checked the security cameras at the hotel to see like who left the hotel, yes. who left the area of the steam room. There's just like no investigation into no. Primo's death and no like heat on De Niro at all for this. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, the, goes yeah. in and out like the wind murdering. It, no wonder he thought that he could do all this stuff because yeah. he murdered a guy and like yeah, no investigation whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I realized that like the San Francisco PD like never caught the Zodiac killer or like <laughs> yeah, so right. I mean maybe there's something lacking there but like still um, it doesn't uh, make him look good no no uh, so, yeah, so so Candlestick Park security is being uh, yeah know. yeah and well I guess to be fair that maybe they were on the road when Primo got killed but and anyhow yeah, were they is yeah. that, that was that established like they were at a hotel Jack that's true um, yeah so theoretically he would have been or they would have been on the road uh, unless Primo just lives in a hotel or something, but yeah. um, I want—I did want to say they show like different. I kept trying to like think because Candlestick Park's no longer around. I remember the outfield wall had a very distinct like fence. Um, like it looked like a literal chain link fence. But like I was looking at other footage of the parks that they were showing, and I swear that I saw Shea Stadium there uh-huh. at one point, and um, maybe like uh, Colorado Stadium or something. That's cool. But. The Giants are always wearing home uniforms. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, and I did look for that. There are a couple of shots where Wesley Snipes is wearing a road uniform. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was I was looking at that too. Okay. Um, yeah. So it seemed like most of the time, though, they were at home. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to say one thing really quick, too. How exactly does he murder 
He stabs him in the thigh. Yeah, so I imagine he like hit an artery. The, f- the femoral artery. Yeah, yeah and okay. that, that's got to be what it was. I guess yeah. so. I guess, I don't even know. I know that in the groin area, the femoral artery is very uh, prominent. Because, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I actually think the guy on the Redskins died that way. Sean Taylor. Okay. I think he was like shot or something yeah. in the femoral yeah, yeah, artery. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So I guess, okay, that's okay. That's what I thought, but... Uh, it didn't. He was shot. He was like stabbed in like the lower thigh. It seemed like yeah, or yeah. Whatever. So so Primo mm-hmm. dies. Rayburn starts hitting. De Niro's pissed because uh, Rayburn's not thankful. So De Niro starts stalking Rayburn, um, yeah. and he had been stalking Rayburn at Rayburn's house for a little while. Actually, you know what? One of the things that uh, Rayburn says when they're interviewing him about the streak, he, they're like, "What what caused the turnaround?" And he goes, "Like, wish I knew." And then mm-hmm. that's like the line. That, that breaks him. And then De Niro goes, simple thanks would have been nice. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wish I knew. That's what sets the whole... That's the inciting incident for the whole like second half of the movie. Sure. Um, yeah. And so so Rayburn and De Niro uh, finally meet. Yes. Um, uh, and they meet because De Niro saves uh, Rayburn's kid, Sean, from drowning. Yeah. Now, this was kind of a confusing incident here. Because what's happening... The way this happens is Rayburn's kid starts like uh, boogie boarding out to sea. And the... like maid or whatever is just standing there like don't go too far yep and then and then the dog starts to like swim out after rayburn's kid and the dog's name is bradley and so the maid starts calling bradley get back here get back here so the dog the kid goes out far and then the dog goes out yeah after him and what i gathered was maybe the dog was starting the dog wanted to catch the kid but like the dog was like starting to have trouble staying up so yeah. the dog jumped on the kid or the dog wanted to jump on the okay, boogie yeah, board yeah. so basically the dog starts to like drown the kid i was going to say the kid didn't start drowning until the dog caught up with him yeah that was what they that was what implied <laughs> like what was what was happening between like the dog and the kid yeah, there it was just uh, a jumbled mess like do dogs like don't do that do they dogs are like pretty good swimmers right like dogs yeah, can usually I, I don't know how deep they can get. No, like, no. <laughs> but whatever. So anyway, this this uh, incident happens between the dog and the kid in the water. They both yeah. start to drown. De Niro saves the kid. And then uh, Rayburn <clears throat> is eternally grateful. So he invites him into his house. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that, there was actually, so there, there was, you know, the scene between them and their kitchen. And so De- Wesley Snipes, they're talking about fandom. And uh, Wesley Snipes says, uh, "Diehard baseball fans are losers." <laughs> or is it, is it? Yeah, he says it right. It's not De Niro who says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, "What? What's so wrong about those guys?" He's like, oh, "They're all a bunch of losers." Yeah, yeah. And so Jeremy and I had a good laugh about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, and I don't necessarily disagree with them. And no, no, no. I, I was saying maybe not specifically about calling them losers, but the stuff that he says, which is like, um, he says like they don't. Um, you know they treat you different based on how you're playing, but regardless if you're doing well or or, or good or good or bad, you're the same person. Mm-hmm. And like that's actually a poignant thing. Yeah, I mean there's so many conflicting like messages here because earlier on when De Niro was getting yelled at at the game, like I was like I was actually on De Niro's side a yeah. little bit because like it was a tense moment and everyone should have been standing. Yep. Okay. So then De Niro saves his kid. So like. Even, honestly, if he was, like, a stalker, like, the fact that he saved his kid, I feel like trumps the fact that, like, he was stalking him. Yeah. You know? Because at the end of the day, he saved the kid. The kid would have drowned if it wasn't for De Niro. Yeah. Because the the maid wasn't doing anything. She was standing in the shallow water just like, ah! (laughs) You know, whatever. So, so then, then that... But then, 
you know, uh, Rayburn says this thing about fandom and stuff, and like it's actually it's it's poignant, and it's from the viewpoint of a player. Mm-hmm. But De Niro like is like, what? Like you don't care? Like I'm gonna kill you? You know? Like, yeah, yeah. That sets him off. Mm-hmm. So and then and then there's a a, a scene where uh, where they're still at uh, Rayburn's house. And uh, uh, De Niro um, pitches to uh, Rayburn because yeah. uh, De Niro was a former pitcher in Little League. Uh, so this kind of reminded me, Jeremy, of the uh, Chris Bryant Greg Maddox thing, where like, <laughs> where, like Maddox didn't or Brian didn't know that like Maddox was a pitcher. Yeah, there was a there was a gag. Uh, there was like a prank uh, a couple years ago where uh, through Red Bull, I think it was like Maddox was playing a sound guy on the film crew, and he like pitches batting practice. He convinces. Uh, the crew to let him pitch batting practice to Bryant. Yeah, and Snipes just goes along with it though. Rayburn yeah. just goes along with yeah. it and ends up crushing a few of uh, De Niro's pitches. Yeah. Um. And then there's there's at one point De Niro actually throws at Rayburn's head, but yeah. like he just sort of like ducks it. Like I wonder is that just coming in at like 65 and like it's nothing to him? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, because he does play it off. Like I know I think at that point he's starting to think like. Because at some point, uh, Rayburn realizes that he's crazy, and he kind of just tries to, like, appease him, you know, but then get out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a scene where he, like, gets the dog and then runs away. Yep. <laughs> he literally runs away from De Niro, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I got to say, like, he buzzed him, and Rayburn was like, yeah, man, so, uh, oh, he goes like, oh, you're pretty loose now, or yeah. something, which yeah. is a funny yeah. line. Uh, but, you know... If it was if the, if he was a truly a prima donna player, he would have walked over to him and, and beat him to death with the baseball bat. Yeah. By the way, he has a baseball bat too. Yep. And uh, De Niro is like a fifty-five year old man, and yeah. Wesley Snipes is like an uh, in shape uh, star athlete. Prime of prime, prime of his of his career, and yeah. like you know, they show him with a shirt off, and the dude's like jacked. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, what you know, Wesley Snipes' character shouldn't be afraid of of De Niro at this point. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so th- they're actually, so it happened in this scene and there were a few other times in the movie it happened uh, where, where like De Niro sort of did that thing where he gets really intense uh-huh. and like he starts to kind of just repeat himself in the same words. It happened uh, one time uh, before opening day too when uh, the, the kid's like, uh, the kid's mom says something to, to De Niro, and De Niro's like, "I don't always ignore what you say. Do I? Do I ignore what she says?" Uh, to like the kid, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and then when they're shaking hands, he's like, "Come on, Bobby, Did, didn't didn't it help you just a little bit?" Like, uh, uh, and the, after the pitching scene, he's like, "Huh, maybe just a little bit." Oh, uh, that's you know? true. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of an intense. Um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, that that's that sets De Niro off even more. That you know, he he straight up in that scene after he pitches to him asks Rayburn to thank him essentially for murdering Primo and yeah. Rayburn doesn't so then De Niro kidnaps his kid so and okay and let's talk about the kidnap really quick um so he runs back into the house with the dog um they show like uh Wesley Snipes in the house at some point like just like I doing something but then they show him like brushing his teeth yeah. Like, almost right... That might even be the next scene. Yeah, Where, like, is. he, he goes in the house, then they show him brushing his teeth, and then he, like, looks up for a second, and then just magically... Kid's gone. The car's gone. The dog's gone. Yep. Like, did that happen immediately? Did, did he, like, walk away? Then De Niro, like, waited till he got in the house and then, like, ran and, like, went in the other door and, like, grabbed everybody? Yeah. So it seems like... Uh, so first of all, this dog is a stupid dog. The, yeah, what the like, hell? It, it, this, this dog just goes along with, like, being kidnapped and doesn't sense any type of, like, uh, danger from Robert yeah, De Niro. there's no protection clearly... whatsoever. No, there's not. And so... But it seems like also what was implied was that De Niro, like, got the kid out of bed and was 
was like, hey, we're going to go fishing. Um, yeah, So right. this would have taken a lot longer. And, like, how did how did he know where the keys to that car were? Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe it's the movie thing where there's always a spare set uh, in the fucking thing above the steering wheel. Yeah, all of this happened in the span of, of Wesley Snipes brushing his teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, man, you, you are supposed to brush your teeth for two minutes. I guess, so. yeah, maybe he had one of those uh, uh, electronic ones that buzzes every time. Maybe the the buzz was broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, like, yeah, like, the other thing is, like, if this just happened, why didn't he just call the cops right imme- away? Immediately, yeah, yeah. And why didn't he not at least go to his kid? And here's another thing, too. Leguizamo was at the house earlier when when he drowned he was there was this at the house when the cops after the cops eventually were called yeah so where was he during all of that yeah um there was this ridiculous shot of when he is rescuing the kid from the water it's like this sweeping shot it looks like something from like platoon where like uh snipes is holding the kid de niro's behind him the friggin maid is there like like there uh leguizamo's coming in from the water and the dog is like running through the waves and it's like this is too much yeah yeah anyway um yeah so uh so so and, and here's another thing jeremy like that was a pretty uh uh, good kidnapping that he pulled off. Yeah. Like they, you know, okay, so he's good with knives, but like he's like some awesome like cat burglar now who can sneak yeah. into somebody's house <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, kidnap somebody. I don't I don't think so. No. Um so, uh eventually after this kidnapping happens, uh he goes to his old pal Coop's house. Right. Uh the the finest athlete I've ever known. Um, sure, I guess so. Um and like do you have anything to say? Because I want to fast forward to the end of Coop, really. No, go ahead. So he kills Coop eventually. Yeah. Eventually he kills Coop. Now with a knife, with a baseball bat. Right, with a baseball bat. And like, luckily he says right before it, like, uh, is, oh, is that where he says it? You were the best teammate I ever had or something? Uh, he or you were the it a best... bunch of times. And he says it to his kid, too, like when they're driving to the car in the game. He's okay. like, yeah, Coop was the finest athlete I ever knew. So he um, says, so Coop, okay, so then they play catch again. Yeah, and Coop... Or, is, Coop Turns out to be a left-handed catcher. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was going to say that. I didn't write that in my notes. Yeah. But totally, he was a left-handed catcher. He almost hit the little kid in the with the return throw to the pitcher. And I was going to say, that was kind of a cool scene. I mean, I'll, I'll give that credit to where it's due. Like, you know, because, like, this kid is probably scared shitless. And Coop is like, hang in there, kid. Hang in there. Yeah. Um, and the kid starts crying when he's at bat. This is Rayburn's kid. Um, yeah. uh, and, like... I'll say this, Jeremy. The the movie got some pretty good performances out of like its child actors. Yes, yeah. Uh, the, the the kids were pretty believable. There, you know, sometimes you see a child actor in a movie and you're like, oh, pff, that kid sucked. But like these kids were actually pretty good in this movie. They're pretty good. the The relationship between every kid and De Niro plays on the assumed, uh, w- uh, widely known. Uh, fact that boys love knives <laughs> you know because then when he's in the car with the kid he like kind of appeases him by showing him another knife yep and then the kid then rayburn's kid somehow is a master at the knife right away he's yeah. doing the thing like and, and yeah okay okay also this is something i had to look past jeremy but uh-huh. they, they imply that when so after de niro so de niro's driving um he steals rayburn's car which is like a hummer yeah. um and he's you know on the car phone with rayburn uh, talking about how he just kidnapped his kid, but his right. kid is right in the back seat, right, yeah. and like they imply that the kid like fell asleep, I think. But like De Niro's talking pretty loudly yeah. about like how he's gonna how he kidnapped the kid, right? And uh, you know the kid just isn't alarmed at all, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, so, so when so so essentially what happens is actually it, you know what was cool about that scene with the pitcher catcher mm-hmm. with the with Rayburn's kid is 
uh, the guy throws overthrows the the throwback. Yeah, and that distracts uh, 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 De Niro. So then he helps the kid run away. He makes him scale this like twenty foot he, fence. It's a super high fence. Yeah, and then the kid f- jumps from the top of it on the other side. Like, he could have broke his legs or whatever. Yeah. But like I'm like, there's no other way out of that place other than scaling this fence. And um, here's what I'll say. I, I I get that he was like a he maybe a former teammate or whatever, but he's but what he is in the actor, he's like a chubby like old guy. Yeah. Like maybe not chubby, but he's like a big like kind of lumbering old guy, older guy, middle aged guy, and um, they never really explain their relationship, but it's implied that they were playing together. And then yeah. at the very end, I think he, so. He's like, "Why'd you do that, Coop?" And like. Uh, he like hits him, before he hits him with the bat. He's he does something like you were my best teammate or you were the best player I ever saw play. And then he b- hits him and kills him with the baseball bat. But I'm like I'm glad he inserted that line in there before he murdered him because like I didn't quite know what the relationship was. Yeah, it just so- seemed like some dude in a weird shack that he brought the kid to that he assumed was going to help him with the kidnapping. The only reason I I knew about. I was able to follow that, Jeremy, is because I read the book and that relationship between Gil, uh, De Niro's character, and the catcher and his old catcher is like a big, a big deal. Yeah, he talks about a lot, and he he refers to it a little bit in the movie, but it's hard to catch um, when he's like, "Yeah, Coop was my old catcher." Like, but it's like one line, and like before that scene, like an hour before that scene. Okay, so not like right before it. Let's. It's like when he's talking to his kid in the car on the way to opening day. Okay, so like you really, I mean, you basically would have had to read the book to be able to follow that. I I will say one of the things that that this movie suffers from is just like, and it it was like almost two hours long. Yeah, it was. That was an hour, uh, hundred and sixteen minutes. Yeah, and so like. I don't know how much they shot, but it just seemed like a movie that was cut up uh, excessively to fit a time frame. Yes. Like, um, a, a Suicide Squad is, like, a movie that came out recently that you really shows that. Like, it, it's a mess as a movie, but it, the, the talk about it was that it was cut up a lot, and a lot of it was left in the editing uh, room. And uh, it seems like it. It seems like that movie could have been better if it was like the director's cut. Like this, like it seemed like they chopped up a bunch of stuff and, and left a lot of stuff out. But it was still two, almost two hours long. It was. Um, so Jeremy, I was actually going to mention that right now because okay. after after all of the stuff we've described, where Coop dies, um, yeah. uh, you, you get to the final scene where yeah. De Niro says he he calls Rayburn and he says, "If you don't hit a home run in tomorrow night's game, I'm gonna kill your kid." And then right. so it immediately goes. No t- tomorrow night's game. No establishing shots of like the game starting. You're just halfway through the game already. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that's that's what I was going to say to you, Jeremy. That I'm sure this must have been a two and a half hour, two hour and forty five minute movie yeah. where they just cut a bunch of stuff out. Yeah, for sure. There was there was they skipped a ton of stuff when they went to that final game where De Niro's going to kill the kid. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah, no, exactly because. Somehow he calls into the broadcast booth and he talks to Ellen Barkin. Yep. And like Ellen Barkin like knows. She's like, how did she, she know she, about and anything? She has a picture of De Niro. Yeah. Uh, with her. Yeah. And um, like, but somehow she's like the point person on all this. Like, yep. how did she get like? She knows John Leguizamo somehow, like outside of in the outside world or whatever. So like, I was left thinking like okay well i guess leguizamo told her what happened and like the police brought her in because she's like 
She's like the like the the plant or whatever that like yep. lures in the criminal. And in the book, uh, so I'm sure this is probably in the screenplay and uh-huh. it was filmed. But like in the book, they they make a thing where she does like the cops do work with her to get okay. Gil to call in again. Yeah. Um. And so that's that. I'm sure that was left out of the movie, but and it was probably shot. How did they know? The only way that they knew that that Gil that Gil was the same person as Curly, who was De Niro's fake name that he gave to uh, uh, Rayburn. As far as I could tell, was that he left that Polaroid on the truck yep, yep. that said like "To Gill, your number one fan" or something. Yeah. So then there must have been a scene where like Snipes is like, "That's the guy who took my kid." That says Gill, and then someone else was like, "Oh, oh!" And then they're like, "Oh, Gill, that's the guy who calls in." Like, it, yeah. There, there was definitely a lot missing in between those in, scenes. In between those scenes, and uh, <clears throat> so then Jeremy, speaking of missing things, I uh, I went up to get get a cup of coffee uh-huh. uh, during the part where apparently did they show De Niro changing into an umpire's uniform? No, they didn't. No, no. Oh, that's okay. the craziest thing. Because I was going to ask you when I went up to get my coffee, did I miss a part where like De Niro like snuck into the umpire's locker room? No. Or something? I mean that was the most outrageous thing. Like, How did he get on the? And was he? Yeah. Yeah. No. He's just so he's just magically done. There's so much. Okay. Real quick. Just to go back before the the game, really quick. Uh, just to talk about baseball stuff. Uh, at some point, when De Niro's in uh, Rayburn's house, he takes a Braves jersey. He takes Rayburn's Braves jersey, but then he puts on a Giants hat. And so when he's pitching batting practice to him, he's wearing a Braves jersey and a Giants hat, which is like a cardinal sin of any baseball fan. So for someone who is so obsessive about like the right way and like, you know, you should care about baseball or whatever, like it's insulting that you said that you don't care. He's he looks like an idiot wearing yeah. a Braves hat, a Braves shirt and a jersey and a and a Giants hat. Anyway, and then there's a scene later on where he's still wearing the same combo. Anyway, just wanted to bring that up. Um but uh no so so they they play this game and it's like pouring rain and then we have a rain delay yeah, actually rain yep. delay theater yep. um in the game and like I swear to god I looked down at my phone for like a second and I looked back up and the game has resumed and it wasn't and then cuz it stopped raining but then it started raining again yes. but they never fixed the field the field had like puddles the, on it the field like, was a complete like it was a mess it yeah. looked like a swamp yeah that leads me to believe that tony scott has never watched a baseball game I, well yeah there was a lot of things before that that made <laughs> me think that but well, didn't anybody on the production team be like wait a minute this yeah. is not realistic yeah it's not realistic <laughs> right well however when it turns out that de niro is the umpire then it makes sense why the game wasn't called, wasn't called because yeah now i i you know inferred that but like i don't know if anyone on the production crew was thinking like oh yeah of course the the only reason why this game would continue in this like torrential downpour is because uh de niro's the ump and he's the only one in charge of it and obviously he's not going to call the game and obviously he took over for the crew chief right had right and so my question is like so he must have like done that during the rain delay i'm guessing like i assume that i don't i don't think he was calling the whole game up until that all right that's a ball you know whatever (laughs) like uh was like i'm gonna kill this guy later but uh yeah foul tip he's out you know um so that leads me to my question like did he murder the umpire too yes i was (laughs) wondering that myself umpire is dead which is like this is a bizarro version of naked gun where uh frank drebin hits the umpire over the head and Mm -hmm. like dresses up like him but 
Yeah, yeah they I was show thinking it. of Naked Gun as well. Yeah. So I guess that was supposed to be the big reveal that he's the he's actually the umpire. And there was a there was a time when they were arguing because so okay so what happens is um, they play through this torrential downpour um, and. Uh, uh, Rayburn, it looks like he's gonna hit a home run, but it hits the top of the wall. So then he runs around the bases and like he's stretch, he runs through the stop sign. They say, and he go, he tries to score and he's thrown out at the plate. And then they they're arguing. He's like, "What do you mean? Like I was safe? Like you gotta call me safe, whatever." And like you hear the ump go, "Like are you questioning my authority? Like are you questioning my call?" And then like I'm like, "That sounded like De Niro." And then it was De Niro. He yeah. pulls the the or yeah he he doesn't even pull the thing off. Uh, Ray Byrne like recognizes him. He's like, "That's the guy." And then he punches the uh, De Niro in the face, but he's still wearing the the umpire's mask, so he punches the mask. That would have hurt. Yes, yeah. and the mask does come off. But um, I was wondering, is that pre Roberto Alomar spitting in the ump's face? Oh, right I wonder. The same time? I wonder. Uh, was knows? that ninety eight? Maybe yeah, that he might did have that? been. But yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, the, and then you know, they, there's a, a Malie at home plate, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Cruck gets his throat slit. Yeah, everyone, um, like, the, the bench is clear, but this time the umpire has a knife. Yeah. And so he, like, slashes John Cruck's throat. Um, one thing that I couldn't help even before this whole thing happens is, like, why did everyone assume that if he hit the home run that he was going to let – that he was going to honor his promise? Right, right. Again, that's, like, one of the – like, the guy's clearly crazy. He's, like – and and why did they think that he would accept the technicality of it being an inside-the-park home run? And another thing, well, since you're swallowing, I'm going to say another thing. Uh, you just took a swig of coffee there. But uh, another thing is, like, isn't that kind of hack that De Niro, such a big baseball fan, would be appeased by a home run? Like, he should say, like, you should do a unassisted triple play or something. Yeah, you know? or, like, uh, you need to hit for this cycle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's, like, and, and okay, and so we, we skipped over it, but it mirrors a scene earlier in the, in the, in the movie where there's a dying kid who asks uh, Rayburn to hit a home run. And then, like, the, like, bad, the cosmic joke at the end is, like, Leguizamo tells him that the kid fell into a coma before he, he didn't even see the home run. Yeah. Which is messed up. And then in the middle, the kid dies. Yeah. Which is, like, crazy. But, um, so, so it's kind of mirroring the fact that, like, he was asked to hit a home run earlier in the game. And, by the way, this has been done before. Like, like, please hit a homer for me, you know? And... It just seems a little hack that De Niro would. He's like, "Yeah, I want you to hit a home run for me." Like, like that would just appease him. Somehow. Right. Anyway. Well, so. he so eventually uh, they they end up killing De Niro. They shoot him um, yeah. with cops shooting from all different angles. Yeah, uh, which yeah. seems kind of dangerous. Um, you'd think they would have just had one cop take a kill shot. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there was a guy up, you know up the first base line and if he misses he could have t- taken someone out in the first row yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, so then they end up finding Rayburn's kid at some like hideaway that De Niro had that was never established uh, earlier in the movie yeah and there's there's just it cuts to like it, and, the, and there's cross cutting between the cops like uh, raiding this like or, like heading to this space or whatever uh, while this like final showdown is happening because that's the other thing is like if De Niro gets killed at the game, how is the kid going to get killed? Because he doesn't have, like, a crony. He doesn't have his coop or whatever, like, waiting to kill the kid. I guess right. the kid would have starved to death by being in this, like, hideout. Yeah. I yeah. guess. I don't know. But that's a whole other thing, too. 
Yeah. So they cross cut between the cops raiding his like lair or whatever because he says like let's just say that the kid is in the big stadium in the sky and then there's like a shack that says stadium in the sky on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you know the, the the cops like looking for this place is actually like a flash forward because we see in the police helicopter Wesley Snipes is in the helicopter with them. Rayburn okay. is in the helicopter, so they just like let Rayburn come to that that site, even right. though there might be like booby traps or whatever. Right, right, yeah. He's like, I'm going with you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so this is that's another thing, Jeremy, where I'm sure there was a scene that established that that place, um, yeah. the stadium in the sky. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, we never saw it. No, um, we saw the interior. We saw like his wall of like newspaper clippings, mm-hmm. and then they show that later on. It's like that's like the lair. I was gonna say. He's got a collection of memorabilia and stuff. Pretty good, pretty it, good collection. Yeah, yeah. It rivals like you know mine a little bit, like yeah. a little bit. Like uh, he's got like uh, gloves and bats and stuff, uh, bobbleheads. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of bobbleheads, um, and he's got the newspaper clippings make it seem a little crazy because they're all like specifically cut out and stuff. Right. But um, but yeah, so that's so, what happens. So. That, that's so that's the plot and I guess before we wrap this up Jeremy um, yeah. so I let's let I just to kind of break it down here I think one thing that sort of lost me or one thing that I've been thinking about and I can't decide on yeah. is what was the point of this movie well like what was the what was the message what was it trying to get across right well as soon as the the, the last scene faded out I was I was <clears throat> I uh, a, a message came to me mm-hmm. about the movie. And I think that my takeaway from from it is that uh, baseball stays with you, and and when you have a passion for baseball, it's a, it, it ends up being like a strong passion. So much so that you would like you know murder a, a guy for your favorite player, kidnap his kid, threaten to kill him, kill one of his, kill two of his teammates. Um, you know that's where it took De Niro. But I think that my takeaway is like yeah, baseball is. People are really passionate about baseball. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> nah, I don't know. Well, so so when you think about a movie like uh, like Taxi Driver, like that's clearly a study of like, you know, how loneliness um, can make you crazy in solitude. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, a movie like King of Comedy is kind of ahead of its time and like, you know, someone with no talent just wanting to become famous for the sake of being famous. Yeah, sure, um, sure. You know. A movie like this, it seems like they 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 were trying to get some weird uh, message in of like you know oh players shouldn't be like disconnected from the fans because yeah. the the game is really all about the the fans right. and the fans are what makes it good <laughs> yeah um, yeah I don't know I don't know what to take no, was, the movie, uh, I don't know what the message was no the only message that that I could have been left with is that like oh yeah, it was a very passionate sport you yeah know? yeah <laughs> very passionate. Yeah, I, I can see um, I can see how this got got made. Like they just, yeah. it's one of those movies where like they managed to get De Niro attached to it. Um, yeah, and uh, they you know other other better actors ended up signing on for it because De Niro was attached to it. Yeah. But then the entire project turned into a mess. Yeah, it's a shame. I try to think about this in the bigger picture, and like you know, like baseball has like declined over the years in popularity. It's like you know, some people would argue that like hockey is more popular than baseball. Um, certainly it's behind football and basketball. Um, and you know, this was a shot to make like a great baseball movie with like two big stars, certainly a huge star. And yeah, well, Snipes was a big star at the time. Uh, and it was like a, it was a, for, you know, lack of a better term, a swing and a miss. Yeah. Well, and you know, so Jeremy, that was the strike short in season was 94. And so this movie was probably filmed, 
late 94, yeah. early 95. So I, 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 I would guess that um, baseball like said yes to this because they were trying to get their brand out there. I can and see say, that. Just say yes that. to as many things as they could. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, little did they know that uh, Tony Scott was um, behind the, the lens and uh, doesn't know jack shit about baseball. But... <laughs> Oh, baseball is a very uh, dark and and uh, sinister sport, and you know we'll get uh, uh, the dark score of Hans Zimmer to to, to underscore this whole uh, evil cesspool of a of a sport. That's really what baseball's about, right? Yeah, sure, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, people kill their players, and uh, yeah, there's like feuding. Like like, it was hard for me to buy the fact that that uh, Primo wouldn't give him the number. Yeah. Speaking of which, like at some point, it was said that he would do it for five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand—that's like a piss drop in the ocean for well, a guy just, making forty million. Yeah, he bucks. just signed a forty million dollar contract. Yeah. So like, and why didn't it just eventually come to that? Like, why didn't yeah. he just eventually pay that money? Did he pull? Did he pull that offer? It at seems some point? like that was what was implied. Like, yeah, you have twenty four hours to accept my offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so um, yeah, I don't know what the message of this movie was. No, and uh, it. Maybe if it was a better movie, maybe it, it could have like uh, sparked some additional interest in baseball, and uh, maybe it would be a little more popular than today. Uh, but uh, you know, I, hopefully it's on the men. But uh, you yeah, know. as it is, uh, I, I told a couple of people we were uh, recording a podcast about this movie, uh-huh. and none of them remembered it or okay, knew, what it, knew what it was. Yeah, so. it, well, it's fun. It's interesting. Like, yeah, I and it's actually shocking for me to have not seen a baseball movie. Uh, when it came out, even so, it came out in '96. So yeah. I, I was 15, so like mm-hmm. I w- wasn't old enough to be to like have better things to do. Right. Um, I didn't want. I've never seen Angels in the Outfield, and okay. so like that was before. I, there were a couple movies, baseball movies, I didn't see, but. For you to have never seen this um, is odd because yeah. it, it does have Robert De Niro in it. Yeah, I'm a baseball fan. Although De Niro wasn't a huge like our family, we were more of like a comedy family, okay. and so like. De Niro was never like we never saw essential De Niro movies growing up, but um, uh, yeah, it seems like I would have seen it, and um, I don't know. Uh, I, my my understanding of it was like I remembered those scenes of like being at the baseball game, and it was like dark, and like we talked about this when we talked about the fan earlier in the season, like it's just these like dimly lit shots where just like the players lit up and then you see De Niro in the stands and it's kind of like only De Niro's lit. And like, I think that took me out of it. Cause I'm like, I don't want like a stylized portrayal of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like just show real, like the way it really is. Right. And so that might've taken me out of it at that mm-hmm. time in my life. Mm-hmm. But Anyway, so there we go, guys. Uh, we, we talked about it. There you have it, the fan. We, <laughs> yeah. we went on for almost as long as the movie itself. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Check it out. Uh, hopefully you've seen it before you, you listen to this. Um, maybe we should have warned people, but uh, you have to assume that there would be spoiler alerts there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, hopefully by the next time we uh, we, we talk, um, uh, Machado and Harper will both have signed. I yeah. think that Harper's just going to resign with the Nationals at yeah, this it point. Like, that's like an ultimate cop-out of a story. It's yeah. like, where's he going to go? Hey, he's just going back to the same team he was with before. Yep, yep. But, uh, well, I predict they'll both be White Sox. So. <laughs> here's $50, Jack, that I'll bet you. And, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, we're, we're going to wrap it up our next uh, episode. We're going to try to do the, uh, the hall of fame ballot, um, yes. before it, before it happens. Yeah. We'll be talking about that. So, uh, you know, send in any, uh, hall of fame thoughts that you have. 
Um, they'll they'll be announcing that uh, January twenty second, so a couple more weeks from uh, from now. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you, if you got any Hall of Fame thoughts, send them to uh, raindelaypod at gmail.com. Uh, we're raindelaypod on Twitter uh, and on Instagram. And uh, yeah, hit us up on social media. Give us a rating, uh, a review on uh, iTunes or Stitcher, or even just a simple thank you would be nice. <laughs> yeah, or else you know we might. Uh, Go the way of Gil, whatever his last name was. Renard. And actually, what's what's funny in the book is it's like Gil Renault. It's spelled R-E-N-A-U-D. I guess they figured that would just be too hard for a movie. Yeah, right. So, uh, all right. That's that's enough about that movie. uh, All right. Forever. So we will will see you uh, in a few weeks. All right. We'll see you then. Bye.